kids behind the bus time. From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Monsoon Captain Tom Brewster. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have two news items for you today. First up, catch Live Robot Combat this weekend in Texas, Illinois, and the center of the Combat Robotics universe, Norwalk, Connecticut, in Texas. The University of Houston is hosting a college student-only tournament called the Cougar Combat Robotics Cup this Saturday at the Cullen College of Engineering Building. Students from the University of Houston will take on students from Texas A&M and the University of Texas with fairyweights, antweights, and beetleweights. In Illinois, they'll be fighting antweights and beetleweights at Windy City Showdown 2 just outside Chicago. That said, the biggest event of the weekend is unquestionably NHRL's March of the Bots competition in Norwalk, Connecticut. Like every other competition to date, this is our biggest field ever, with 217 robots and more than 400 fights in a single day. Preliminary rounds start at 9 a.m. Saturday, with the main stream going live at noon. Chris, Lindsay, Kyle, Ricky, Hannah, and I will be on the stream calling fights throughout the day. So drop into the YouTube live chat and say hi. And if you're within driving distance to Connecticut this weekend, make a plan to join us live. Uh, I want to pause here, Chris, Lindsay, Kyle. Uh, we are about to go into the longest uh, competition yet, the biggest field ever. Thoughts on this Saturday's uh, Nora Havoc? I'm going to bring a cushion. <laughs> um. I, I'm excited. It's going to be weird. Uh, one of the things we learned recently is that Luke and I are going to get to be on the desk together for the first like half of the day. That'll be fun. I haven't shared the desk with Luke in a while. Um, this is going to be a lot of fights happening all at once, a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos. Just, you know, typical Norwalk stuff. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, big fields. Um, and we're going to be trying out some new formats uh, stuff for this one just to see how we can get... 400 fights live streamed in uh, less than 12 hours. It's going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, we're, we're still trying to find that perfect format for a very, very large field. In some ways, this is, uh, you know, like we're victims of our own success and that like the event is so awesome and the community is so um, supportive and the competition is so fierce that there are now over 200 you know, builders who want to come and compete with us. Uh, we are going to be holding an event at some point with 300 builders, maybe 400 builders. Um, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, I mean, this is a great, great time to watch as we grow, I would say. Um, okay, good. Uh, so yeah, tune in on Saturday. And finally, BattleBots is taking two weeks off for spring break and will return with episode 11 on Thursday, March 30th. However, do not despair. We'll have a special show next week, an AMA episode with the four of us. 
So if you've ever wanted to ask Kyle about his experience working at the circus or ask Lindsay about her journey to become a broth master or ask Chris about his journey to become a dungeon master or ask me why I struggle to connect with people in an authentic way, head over to our Facebook page or NHRL's Discord server to send in your questions today. And that's it for this week's news. All right, uh, let's take a look back at episode 10 of BattleBots, which aired this past Thursday. Wait, 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 Luke. Uh-huh. Yes, Chris. Our, our AMA uh, kind of overlaps a very significant date. <laughs> okay, what's that? How long have we been doing this podcast, Luke? Uh, we've been doing it for like three years and 10 months. Maybe closer to three years and 11 months. <laughs> okay. It is our four-year anniversary, yes, of the podcast. I was looking back. We've done more than 160 episodes of the show. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's, you know, I feel like we've earned a little bit of self-indulgence, wouldn't you say, Chris? I would say so. And it's going to have yeah. a very special host guest. Guest host? <laughs> ghost ghost host. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, who, who is... Who's who's our who's our ghost host? <laughs> um, the one and only Copperhead teammate Chad New. Are you talking about giant pumpkin farmer Chad New? The one and only. Okay, you're talking about like Colorado-based uh, pet store, <laughs> like uh, nature magnate, nature box uh, Chad New magnate. And okay. you know, if we're lucky, maybe we'll have a little special guest appearance. From Max, his son. Hello, Max. I know you're listening. You're talking about like larvae pupa master, Chad New. Is that right? He's the master of pupa. Okay. He contains multitudes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess tune in next week. Or if there's one that you want to skip, maybe next week is a good one to skip. You know, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see you back at the end of the month. All right. All right. Well, that's it for this week's news. Um, okay. All right. Let's take a look back at episode 10 of BattleBots, which aired this past Thursday. We saw Riptide open up Captain Shredderator and an entire can of online worms. Martin Mason's real voice, Horizon eke out its first win, and three very unsuccessful appeals. <laughs> Your thoughts on episode 10. Let's start this off. Kyle, your thoughts. Oof. Um, you know, I am the only one in the podcast that did not know what was coming because I was not there for the filming. And uh, I think I said something last episode like, wow, what a bunch of predictable fights with easy to determine outcomes. This is going to be a relatively boring episode. Oh, boy, was I wrong. Um, this was... This was intense. There was some weirdness. There was some weird stuff with appeals. Obviously, this is the time for appeals. Um, but this was some weird stuff. This was some weird stuff. Um, should we should we get into the to the shredderator of it all? All right. Here's here's the problem. Okay. Um, I feel like I've read and listened to every hot take on this match. Is there there are is so there many anything left for us to say, or should we just leave it alone? <laughs> Yeah, but nobody's heard us say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have fans, Luke, that avoid Facebook and Reddit oh, because because it's toxic. So they wait for us to have opinions. Okay, okay. I don't even know where to start. Like, uh, I haven't liked Riptide as a team for two seasons now. And uh, there are many reasons why I don't like them as a team um, none of which are personal. Like I've had very brief interactions with Ethan and his father, Stan, 
Uh, they haven't been positive <laughs> interactions, but like, you know, it's not personal. I think like it's, it's on a team level. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when you have a team that makes a mistake, like a lot of late hits, which this was, um, it just kind of exacerbates the feelings that you have about that team, you know? Um, yeah, like, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll just try and plunge in here. Okay. So I watched the episode and I was like, wow, oh my God, that's a lot of late hits. That seems kind of unethical and awful and, uh, terrible. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Let me just like see if there was anything that was edited out of the show. So like I have access to a special, oh God, I don't know. Maybe cut this, Nicole. Um, I have access to like a raw feed. Um, oh God. All right. Uh, Greg and Trey, don't listen to this part. A- anyway, so I watched, uh, watched, watched like the actual fight uncut. And uh, yeah, it's like nine hits. It's after, nine hits. A- after after Shredder is like, over. Yeah, like Captain Shredder is not doing, like not able to save itself. And it's like nine more hits. And um, it's like the the view inside of like the show is absolutely accurate. You know, like um, it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, It was like, it was also like the perfect storm for a really aggro bot and aggro driver because with a full body spinner, it's going to take so long for that energy to eventually get displaced and the, and the ring to come to a stop, right? The full shell to come to a stop. So it's just, right. it's going to keep limping along for, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds. And if you're counting that as some kind of movement, you could, you could really, uh, uh, you could really just continue to dominate a bot that's already been defeated, you know, 15, 20 seconds ago. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. If this were an MMA fight or a boxing match and the referee did not stop this, they would be subject to lawsuits. Yeah. Um, like if this was a human being in there taking that level of damage after they are no longer able to defend themselves and everybody knows that Captain Shredderator is unable to defend themselves when they're upside down because our dear friend Brian Nave has told us how many times that as long as he's spinning, he can't get flipped upside down because of centrifugal force and uh, gyroscopic precession. Um, spin to win, baby. Um, once he's upside down, he's done. Everybody everybody knows that. And so this was, this was a lot of hits after they could no longer defend themselves. Um, this was uh, gross. It was really gross to watch. Um, I, I, there are a lot of negative things to be said about the Riptides team's behavior in, um, on screen, as far as like how they kind of come come across, especially, uh, Ethan. Um, there's a lot of negative things to be said about their behavior in the pits. Of course, that's all hearsay. I wasn't there. I don't know. Uh, but this was egregious. This was absolutely egregious. I, I can't see any actual justification for this. I could see, all right, so if I put on my ice road trucker mouth breather hat, like I can understand like, oh, bro, it's a robot fighting show. Like this is gladiators. Like we want to see total devastation every single match. And it's like, if you take that to its logical conclusion, it's like every robot uh, has a winner. Like every match has a winner and then just a robot that you never see ever again because it just gets (laughs) completely destroyed. You know what I mean? It's like, the ultimate single elimination bracket because uh, the loser is always being just mulched right at the end of the, the match. And it's like, 
when you do that, when you have late hits, you're actually artificially ending your opponent's season. You're saying like, hey, Brian, I don't know if you can get back into the box for your fourth fight, and I actually don't care whether you can finish your season. I don't want you to finish your season. I don't want you to go to the round of 32. I want you to spend thousands of dollars, extra dollars, in batteries and speed controllers and wheels and LEDs and everything. I want you to rush order all that stuff. And if you can't afford that, you are out for the rest of the season. Like, it is unsportsmanlike. Um yeah, and- but I, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can see though, like, you know, if, if I was an ice road trucker fan, if I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I want to see fires and explosions every single time. There was know? a bot doling out this much damage back in the Long Beach days for the ABC episodes. That bot, of course, being Tombstone, and Ray was very much so portrayed as the villain in those episodes. But the big difference there is, a, that was a single elimination tournament. If your bot is destroyed, you're not going to be coming back. You're done. It's all over, right? Um, And B, Ray always asked, and he even kind of brought that into his villain persona, right? I I think back to him, um, you know, saying, do you want some more? That's the famous Ray Billings line. But that's literally him asking, do you want me to stop? Are you cool if we do like more destruction to show off for the fans? It's up to you after he defeated an opponent. Um, the other one that I think about all the time is when he fought Gigabyte, knocked the top off of it, and then the driver for Gigabyte kept driving the the just drive train of the bot around with no shell and no armor and no nothing. And Ray literally yelled at him, John, stop driving or I'm going to have to hit you again. Um, like as per the rules, right? Like it, there was a, a gentlemanly evilness to that. There was, you know what I mean? Like um, he's, he's being respectful of all of these people's time and effort and money that they're putting into this bot. Um, Shredderator had a fight the next day. They were scheduled to fight the next day after this event. Yeah. And I, I remember they couldn't, they, well, so they were across from us in the pits. And I remember when they came back after, you know, right after the fight, like I saw Brian whip out his computer And he, within seconds, was like the most, with the most intensity in his eyes, like purchasing parts and things for overnight shipping. Like there was no communication. He wasn't like engaging with his team. They were all like, we have a job to do now because we have to actually fight again. This is not the end of the season. Um, And we have to do what we need to do to to actually get to that, that point. And I know that um, Nick on Reddit had said, Nick Nave had said that like, all those late hits cost them $10,000 in, you know, parts and material. Right. And so that's a that's a ballpark, just, you know, ballpark yeah. number. We don't know if that's like machine time or if that's whatever. But 10,000 is the number of the team throughout there. That's like the most information we have. And that's crazy. And like, thankfully, you know, they were able to fight again. Um, but it's only because they had the resources um, and probably the connections to be able to overnight those parts to them um, at at great cost. Um, And like what you were saying about Ray just really resonates because like, I feel like he above all else has such a respect for every team, you know, like yeah, at the core of him. And then also like, 49 other teams in the pits all have, I think, above all else, such a respect for their competitors, 
for what it takes to get a machine into the battle box, for the sacrifices you have to make, both, you know, in terms of your time, in terms of your resources. Um, it, you know, this is something that people do because they love it, but it is a huge sacrifice in, in every, every way. Um, and so, you know, there's like a common respect because of that. But unfortunately, Team Riptide doesn't share that respect. Um, and that is what I think is really unfortunate. And it just, it, it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. Um, is it against the rules? Uh, the code book <laughs> to, to be disrespectful to your opponents? No. Um, it does show a lot about your values, I think. And for the people defending Riptide, I think it shows a lot about your values too, because they it Riptide, there's no question that they were gonna win that match. Um so yeah. this wasn't it wasn't necessary. It was literally just to uh, you know, to pr- assert dominance. Like, I don't know, you're you're pretty dominant already. It just well, was to be disrespectful. I- to to be fair, I highly doubt there was much conscious thought put into that decision. Yeah, but uh, if you're, if he was in the zone. Yeah, you know, but like, like was, if you don't have respect, if you don't have sure. respect at your core, right, then you're not gonna. It's not gonna be in your mind in the moment. But if you do have respect. Like you're, that's going to be in your brain as you're making these decisions in, in the zone. Like it's just, it's just something that helps you decision make in the moment. And it wasn't there. I think, I think the thing yeah. that 49 other teams have that Riptide lacks is this feeling of we are part of a big community and this is like a big engineering competition and we're here to show ingenuity and um, good sportsmanship and like, you know, inspire the next generation of kids to come up in STEM, right? And Riptide is there just to win. Like they, they are singularly focused on winning. Um, they are not interested in participating <clears throat> in the community. They are not interested in engaging with the fans. Like, I mean, like what was their controversy earlier this year? They were selling like stickers for like $50 each or something insane. Right. Um, and poker chips are and, 90 by the way poker chips are 90 dollars. what are you talking about poker chips were 90 dollars. yeah that was a oh whole other God. thing not to mention the knocking the debris about around the box all the time and you know being told multiple times not to do that Which, yeah, what was the other thing received formal warnings like BattleBots has formally warned them now several times what will it take for there to be any repercussion i think i think like the like if we think about like what kind of show would BattleBots be if all 50 teams were like Riptide, if they were just out at, uh, out for themselves, if they were interested in total destruction, they wanted to humiliate their opponents, they didn't want to talk to anyone else inside of the pits, they didn't want to make friends, they didn't care about the fan experience, right? Like, what kind of show would that be? Um, it would be very different. And I guess you got to ask yourself, like, why have one team like that in the pits? Like, why why make it a terrible experience for 49 other teams um, to have this one team who just doesn't really get the purpose of the show and the community, right? Um, like, it's yeah. on Greg and Trey about whether they want to bring Reptide back. They knew about all of this stuff at the end right. of their first season, and they still brought them back for season two. They're, they're seeing everything 
this season? Are they going to bring them back for season three? Like, is it worth it for the show to have a toxic team in the pits? Like, how does that help the show? Um, and uh, unless you take a completely cynical look uh, at your show and you just say, like, the only thing that matters to me is fan engagement and the fans get fired up about Riptide and I like to see them fighting. And like that, that's great for our social media or whatever, you know, like, and for, forget it, forget about community cohesion or like happiness inside the pits. Like we are just going to continue to bring back these strange little chaos agent children, you know, and uh, keep putting them in the pits and um, just uh, just see what they're going to get up to next. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm going to make one more just point and then I'm going to step off my soapbox. Um, like this could have all been solved if they had put out a statement this week on, you know, Riptide's Facebook page. Um, yeah. Just saying like, look, you know, the moment we made a mistake, we have since apologized to Captain Shredderator. We understand why this is wrong, right? Like, this is something we're not going to do again, you know, like we really appreciate the fans sticking by us, but this, this was, this was a bad, bad decision on our part. Right. They haven't put out that statement because they don't believe it. Like they've, they've had Sid who's their weapon operator, like out on discord, trying to make excuses for the team. They're the weakest excuses. And like, there's no apology. There's no remorse. There's no accountability. There's no responsibility. Like, uh, they're they, they they don't understand what the controversy is about, honestly. Um, so that's it. Like, uh, Battlebots deserves better, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think you're a thousand percent right, Luke. Battlebots deserves better. Um, do I think that there's room for wanton destruction in this sport? Yes, but when your opponent's down, they're down, man. You don't need to cause unnecessary financial harm <laughs> to them <laughs> um so yeah i agree i agree 100 percent. and it's like if these are house bots if like these are made to like be destroyed i mean obviously battle bots are made to be destroyed but like you know if these were paid for by production you know you're that's one thing destroy them but like it's just this is this is beyond that this is people's real money this is people's real time um yeah I, I i know that everyone you know kind of defending riptide in the comments you know wants that destruction but i'm not sure that they all truly really understand like what that means then yeah well said yeah uh there were six other fights you know on thursday do we want to talk about any mm -hmm. of them you know like uh chris Lindsay, uh myself we were all on tv on thursday you know <laughs> Yeah, it was a very behind the bots episode. Yeah, very Norwalk heavy episode. I gotta love that. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess Copperhead fight was pretty thrilling. You know, Shredder Bro, pretty thrilling. Um, yeah, the Copperhead fight. Not to you know belabor the point, but uh, <laughs> um, every time towards the end, you know, when Kraken looked like it was down. Chad, the weapons operator, would kind of check in with Matt and be like, you know, another one, another one. And for as long as Matt said yes, we hit him. And when Matt said no, that is when we called it off. Um, yeah. Do, do you feel bad about ending our friend Matt Spurk's uh, season early, I guess, you know? One more, one more nail in the coffin for poor old Kraken. They did destroy the snake. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. They, they destroyed right. Baby Snake. So this was Matt, my uh, yeah. first time on the controls for the snake, and uh, wow. yeah, Matt Matt destroyed it. So uh, I mean, well done to Matt. <laughs> uh, Which, I feel like what but, what I'm hearing is you know he had it coming. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> destroy the snake, we destroy your robots. Okay. I have to say that you know Matt Spurk is literally the kindest, yep. most generous uh human being um he and his whole team his wife sarah like everyone is as amazing as you would hope and i know they say don't meet your heroes but like in this case that was not not true because he was even better and so like knowing that you have to go up against him and up to this point kraken had been having a lot of issues and you know copper had been really dialed in and it felt you know, it didn't feel good because I didn't want to destroy what this beautiful piece of, you know, beautiful engineering, but that was what we had to do. Um, and I was really happy to see that Kraken had their drive uh, situation figured out. Yeah, It was so zippy, it like overshot um, the uh, initial like um, box rush. That's how fast it was. Um, so I'm really happy to see that, you know, as the season has progressed, Kraken is getting more dialed in. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what, you know, this version of Kraken has to offer in the future. I know Matt said he has a list of like 28 separate things um, that he is, you know, has noted to fix in the next iteration. So I'm just really happy to see that because I could not be a bigger fan of the Spurks and of Kraken. Um, and he was so gracious with his time um, and and just talking to Max and being um, real cool with him. It was it was really wonderful. How was uh, how was uh, you know you guys got to show off your vests uh, over in <laughs> Trevor? <laughs> I like those vests. Why did you guys turn your back on us? <laughs> All right, look here's the thing. I forget whose idea it was to like uh, show off the backs of the vests. I think um, this was. I mean, we we got the vests back that day, and everyone was so excited about how good they looked, and uh, they were. They were worried that we weren't, you know, going to show them at all on TV. Uh, you know, it was no knock at all on ominous. It was much more pro vest than anti ominous. I would say um, the, um, you know, the 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 interesting thing is um, this is now our second fight for Shredder Bro. Yep, and we are desperately trying to troubleshoot the robot. Like the robot has some really interesting weight distribution problems. And so like in between the horizon fight and the ominous fight, we spent probably half a day running around Las Vegas, trying to find the uh, perfect counter weight that we can put on the back of the robot so that it gets a little bit more grip with the wheels. Our VESC issues are being worked out, you know, um, but VESC was this just incredible dark magic. Um, and you know, kind of working our way through that, testing inside of the test box, now also going into two fights. Um, it's It was just fascinating to see, you know, really from, from the inside. I feel like I learned so much about the robot and just about BattleBots in general by, by being on a team with a brand new robot and just kind of watching them tirelessly work. 
their way through this problem. Like we were the first ones in the pits, the last ones out, like the team worked like crazy to get the robot um, into the box. And like, that was just amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very cool. Can't wait for, for everyone to see our third fight, our fourth fight, et cetera. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, Hey, uh, Luke, how did you like that really awesome promo for the main event in the middle of the fight? <laughs> it was weird. Cause I, I didn't think like our fight was that boring. Like I, I thought it was kind of thrilling, you know? Um, yeah. And the, the, the weird thing is like, okay, you once once you start to watch BattleBots a lot, you realize like, oh, they ADR'd that in later. Like they um they called up Chris and Kenny and they're like, hey, we've got a little script for you. You know, can you read this? Because this is such a boring fight that we need to like <laughs> promote the next fight, you know? Um that's kind of funny. I don't know. It's it's weird. Um it did sound ADR'd in later. Listen, from uh, doing all of the, the episodes of NHRL that we've now done, I get it. Like, I totally get them wanting to do that. You know what I mean? Like, the it was a pushing match by that point. There wasn't very much going on. Like, I get it. I get Look, it. Look, here's the thing. Okay. Big differences between our announcing at NHRL and Chris and Kenny. Okay. All right. We do it all live. Okay. You get to hear exactly what we say. We make mistakes. They don't fix it in post. Okay. They just run it. Okay. <laughs> and, and 7 million people watch our mistake on TikTok. Okay. Like that's, that's the way that it works. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, we've never been asked to ADR anything. I'm sure it's coming at some point, but, uh, yep. Yeah. One day. <laughs> yeah. More. Two things I will say, a, I thought that shredder bro won that. Um, and I was I was surprised um, that the appeal, you know, didn't go I that way. I feel like the appeal was um, justified. And- I did not feel like Shredder Bro won that, but I do feel like the appeal All was right, justified. Right. Lindsay, tell 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 Kyle why he's wrong, okay? Because I agree with you, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess like the second thing I'll say is, you know, it has been over a month, right, since we last saw Shredder Bro on TV. Um, I think it's probably been over a month now. Um, it, it feels like you have so much time when you're watching at home to fix the robot and work out the kinks between match one and match two, because at home you haven't seen the spot in five or so weeks. Right. 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 So like, you're like, wow, they've had so much time between the first fight and now to like work it out. And they're still having the same issues in reality. Like it was a day and a half to two days, maybe between, um, you know, horizon and ominous, like you're still actively working these things out. And I, I think that's really something that it's, it's like when I was watching as a spectator, I knew, I knew that like you only have two weeks to film this whole thing. You're fighting every day or every other day, but it just, it doesn't feel that way when you're a spectator. But like, I just want to like really drive that point home that like these changes are done on the fly over yeah. a very, very, very short period of time. Um, So it, it might take three, four matches to dial it in. And then after that, it's like you really get in the groove that gray area is also by design. It was interesting. Like we, we went and we actually had Christmas in March with Lindsay's family uh, because, you know, we got to juggle a couple of Christmases and we tend to always get snowed out or COVID out or something like that. But we were there uh, with her aunts and uncles and her, her aunt and uncle 
are, are now like diehard BattleBots fans. They watch all the time. And like one of the first questions that they asked me are like, so are you just like flying out to like Las Vegas like once a week? Like what's going <laughs> on? And and like if you are a newcomer to the show, you, a newcomer to the sport, you might right. think that these are just being recorded on a weekly basis. But when you tell them like, no, this is all like marathoned in like two weeks and then someone's crowned and then they're just like, are you kidding me? Like all of those fights are getting squished into two weeks. And it's, yeah, again, it's by design. You know, they want it to feel like a sport. They want it to feel like something that, um, you know, has some kind of week- weekly formula, but it's it's just, it is a, a, a two-week, you know, Hubble Blue. And it's like the second week, a lot of that is just uh, Sin City Sluggers. Mm. So it's like a week and mm-hmm. a half. Yeah. Of the actual Dark tournament. Games. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, just like give give these bots some grace because everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah, because how many episodes technically, like how much content for an episode is filmed in a day? Two episodes worth. It's like two fight cards. Yeah, yeah. two fight cards per day. So really, um, we haven't seen Shredder Bow for a month. But if that happened in real time, that would have just been four days. Like two days. Two days. No, two like days. days. Yeah, two days. Yeah. Now, Luke, I, I thought that uh you know team shredit had all their backs turned to the camera for the um for the for the judges portion of of the evening but i think maybe it was the team just wanted to show off all the incredible uh legwork that you had done to get these leather vests mm-hmm. uh in play and because i know that you had to make yeah this was all work. luke you had to make more trips to the leather store than like when there's like a biker convention. If you Los ask Vegas. Jevin Woodrow, you spent 80% of the tournament at the leather store. I, I did spend a lot of time there. Or like 80% of your time also just being the father figure to this <laughs> fraternity of, uh, of, of builders. Let's just so you're doing the leather stuff. You're doing the daddy stuff. You're basically the leather daddy of this team. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. Um yeah, you know, like um when when I arrived, I was like, hey, listen, uh what what can I do? What's the biggest fire that I can help, you know, put out? And they were like, We um we've made a critical error with our embroidery. We've spent several hundred dollars on these massive patches. And when we went to the embroidery store, the guy there asked, Do you want to have a border around your embroidery or do you want to have no border? And we said no border, and now our embroidery is like um, starting to slowly unravel, and we have no idea how we're going to affix them to the backs of these super high quality, uh, just actual like rider grade uh, motorcycle jackets, right? Yeah. So can you basically help us figure this out? So my first task, I, this is like a Sunday. Uh, I drove out to a different leather store, a subpar leather store, I will say, uh, that was much closer to the arena. And uh, I tried to buy leather. Wait, 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 wait. What was it? Was it called Below the Belt? (laughs) (laughs) I forget what it was called. It's like Las Vegas Leather Daddies or something. I don't know. Um, And uh, I tried to buy leather glue. uh, So you can can glue patches onto the back. and they talked me out of that. They said, you need to uh, to get them stitched, right? So I went uh, out to like the edge of the desert and um, there was this 
this uh, this leather store that literally backed up into the desert. Like if you walked into the backyard, like there was nothing else. It was just desert, right? Um, and uh, I brought them nine leather jackets and I was like, okay, uh, like how, how long is this going to take, right? And they, they like put the leather jackets like on top of this mountain of leather, okay? And they're like, uh, yeah, okay, great. Uh, we could do nine uh, in about uh, two weeks from now. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. I need them like uh, this afternoon. And um, uh, I basically sat there and babysat the leather jackets for like the next four days um, as they slowly got done in between all of these other like actual scary looking bikers who were like, uh, you know, had been waiting for two weeks for their their leather patches to get to go on. The weirdest stuff happened inside of the leather store, uh, you know, and um, struck up conversations with all sorts of people um just uh yeah really got to know the uh the the seamstress there uh, at the leather store and um yeah running around just you know getting bottled water walking up in stog picking up jevin from the airport like just stuff you know what i mean um so yeah we were we were very proud by by the time that uh ominous came around you know that we actually had high quality leather in, in our possession. It was like a really big, solid team win, I would say, you know? Yeah. Um, the other, the only other things that I'd have to say about uh, this entire fight card, by the way. Um, oh, I forgot we were even talking about the episode, Kyle. I it's just, okay. Back, it's okay. It's back at the, the leather store. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, you're talking about your BattleBots experience and it was 80% of the leather store. We get it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so uh, Death Roll versus Mammoth. Really cool to see Death Roll doing what they do best, just hunting down wheels and destroying them. Um, that was fun. And then uh, Whiplash versus Monsoon. Great fight. Um, really great fight. And great to see the Whiplash team, which normally does not do well against vertical spinners, do really well against a vertical spinner. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, all the way around, just amazing. I thought this was a great episode. Um, also, congrats out. to Horizon for, yes. for for doing what they were there to do. And they made it work and it happened. And it was really emotional to see the team, you know, celebrate, um, you know, so, so much after that decision. It was, it was great. And I feel for Adam Wrigley and Chatter. This is not the season. That they Me too. Had they they were having a rough season. Yeah, But way to go, Horizon. Um, can I just because we've seen Horizon or versions of Horizon at NHRL, do like they haven't gotten to the point yet where that the large bar is spinning because of the kinetic energy of the two spinners yet? You know how that that happens at the lower weight classes? Yeah, why is it is, is it just too heavy to happen at the heavier weight class? No, like, what it, it's spinning in the test box. That's right. I saw that happen. I saw that happen in the footage. That's right. I wonder why it's not. I guess they're just not having the opportunity to get it up to speed because it takes so long um, before somebody engages with them or fights with them or something. Oh, maybe that was the point of Tommy Wong's little uh, extremely long mini bot this time was to give them more time to spin up. Yeah, it's possible. Um, OK, very quickly, uh, we had 79 people send us in predictions this week. And not a single person uh, managed to call all seven fights correctly. Uh, as, you, as you said <laughs> earlier in the night, uh, Kyle, you there, there were a lot of upsets or just kind of matches that went the way that other people didn't uh, think they were going to go. Horizon versus Shatter, of course, being the big bracket buster. Uh, virtually everyone 
uh, called it for Shatter, and um, it ended up being Horizon, which was fantastic. Um, however, there were seven people who managed to call six out of the seven fights correctly, each of them falling to the Horizon trap. Those seven people were Ben Cooper, Bob Schlau, Cameron Hutton, Jethro Ryalubin, Reagan Bachelor, and Stephen Egert. Oh, Stephen Egert and Stuart Hunt. Sorry about that, Stuart. Now, um, Kyle, as an FYI, you managed to call four out of the seven fights correctly, which uh, was just dismal. There were lots of people who called five and six. All right. Um, so uh, better luck to you uh, when the show returns in two weeks from now. <laughs> uh, now, Kyle, of course, no predictions for uh, for this week. So uh, you have a two-week uh, you know, respite, I suppose. But uh, we will be back uh, with your predictions for episode 11. Um, okay. All right. Uh, watch for our AMA episode next week. Can't wait for you to uh, hear the uh, interview with Tom Brewster and his team next. This week on the podcast, we have four very special first-time guests, Monsoon Captain Tom Brewster and teammate Sarah Asplin, Tim Rackers, and Rory Mangles. Monsoon is back in action for World Championship 7 after missing the 2020 and 2021 seasons of BattleBots due to COVID travel restrictions. We're catching up with the team after the robot's first main event fight in its career, facing off against Whiplash. We're looking forward to getting into all things Monsoon, global pandemics, and tea preferences in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Tom, Sarah, Tim, and Rory. Hi. Thank Hello. you so much for having me. Hi. Good day, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to have you on, um, and, uh, full, full disclosure. So, uh, due to the time zone differences between New York and the UK, I am joined by, uh, my nine month old daughter, Pepper, who, uh, may or may not be interjecting with her own questions. So if you hear any baby noises, it's probably her and not me. Um, but who knows? Might also be Tim. just going to have to see. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Pepper, Pepper is also very excited about this. Um, I, we got so many great questions from the fans. Monsoon is such an incredibly popular robot. I really loved all of the questions we got from, um, our British fans as well. Um, and it's just clear that the robot and the team is really loved. Um, so we, we just got a ton. Um, I would love to just start by jumping straight into the fan questions with a great basic question from Reagan Bachelor, who writes, Hey, Tom and Tim and Rory and Sarah, how did you all get your start in combat robotics? Maybe, Tom, you could start us off. Okay, so I was one of those kids that watched Robot Wars when I was younger, um, and BattleBots in a way. Um, and I was one of those kids that would pester my dad like every single day that I watched it, being like, come on, can we please do this? It's so cool. Can we build on? But being like a 10-year-old, I guess... My dad never took me very seriously. <laughs> so when it finally came back in 2016, uh, I knew that, that was the time to uh, pester my dad a bit more and get him on board because like, I, I can hold a soldering iron now and hopefully a spanner. So uh, it didn't take much convincing, actually, to start with Toron, So, <laughs> But Sarah can actually outdo me quite a bit with, uh, with RoboWars and like when we started. I don't know if it's outdo. I think you probably can. Uh, okay, so uh, my first experience of Robot Wars uh, and combat robotics was when I was seven years old, my dad built uh, his own robot, the Alien, 
for Robot Wars Series 5. Um, <laughs> Seven-year-old me didn't really know much at that <laughs> point. So my job was more to colouring the banners uh, that were waved in the fight. And uh, Yeah. Oh, my dad gave me a stopwatch. My job was to tell him when there was like 20 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when I was younger, I did see bits of BattleBots, but it wasn't really a show that aired very much in the mm. UK. So I saw bits and pieces of it. Um, but for me, honestly, Robot Wars was the one that I watched when I was younger. So wait, so Tom, your first robot ever was a Robot Wars entrant. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. All right. So I got to know, like, what was your first season like? What was it like behind the scenes for you building a just heavyweight as your first go? I can see Tim, Tim <laughs> giggling, at, giggling as, uh, as you were asking that. So my first go with Toron was about 10 seconds. Uh, it didn't go very well. <laughs> so it turns out British robots are built with um, things called removable links. Uh, and I made mine too removable, turns out. Um, and it fell out immediately. And that was it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, good. So same as Tom, first ever fight was a heavyweight Robot Wars fight. And we were in the same fight. Really? Yeah. Wait, so you were opponents? Yeah. First wow. With robots. Incredible. Tim's very right. not. Is, is this normal, like in the UK? Like, do you typically start with yeah. heavyweights? Like, is this is this the uh, the preferred no. route? No, it is not. <laughs> no. You're not meant to do that. No. So, funnily enough, just back on that question, um, Rory was also like the first person I met at Robot Wars because I turned up with my dad in our van that we'd rented. And the robot had just caught fire the night before. So. <laughs> I remember going to the the pitch the first time and just being like, is there a Rory Mangles anywhere, please? Is there someone called Rory? Help. <laughs> and he uh, he helped us wire up the weapon and sort out the batteries. Um, and then we were parked up right next to him in concussion in the pits. I think my robot had also just caught fire the night before. So my uh, <laughs> willingness to help, enthusiasm to help other teams was sagging a little bit at that time, but I did manage to get Tom going in the box, um, having also fixed my own robot. Um, but uh, yes, that was the kind of the, the first team meeting was uh, Tom's, also Tom's first time ever doing robots. Mine, mine waited till later in the series to catch fire repeatedly. <laughs> um, all right, so Rory, wait. So Rory, yeah. was, was your first robot also a heavyweight? Like, are we just the, uh, the heavyweights first team? Yeah. It was not, no. I'd been doing robots for several years before I slowly building up over the weight classes like everyone else, um, before I started doing uh heavyweights with nuts. Um yeah, so nuts uh, was originally a live show robot. Um and then I heard about Robot Wars coming back. Um was like crap it's kind of it's going to be during final years final exams whilst at university i can't do robot wars and do final exams and then i was like mm, maybe i could give it a go terrible idea but um i had nuts as was my only opportunity to um do robots because i already had that and all i could do is rebuild that i couldn't build anything from scratch in the time so i was like well i'll try entering with nuts and see if they let me in but i doubt it um, and for some reason they were they, they loved it so um yeah threw together nuts one um in alex's garage 
in between doing bits of coursework and revision and then uh, drove up to do Rebel Wars uh, Series 8, um, which is obviously a, a series earlier than Tom and Tim started. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had a good time. And uh, Well, I think, Tim, you were in Series 8, weren't you? You just... Uh, was it Series 8 or Series 9? I was, I was yeah, in the were. audience. Um, yeah, Team, team Razor as a VIP for the audience because I worked with Ian Lewis. Um, that's how I heard about it coming back. Well, I, I was in the audience for the pilot of Robert Wars Series 8, so um, just saying. I, I heard about it coming back and <laughs> persistently mailed my dad and said, can we go back? And he was too busy with his track car. <laughs> Sarah outranked Audience hearing about it. <laughs> I feel like this is a great segue into our next question. This is from Bloodsport team member, division builder, and Team Just Cause Robotics owner Seth Schaefer, who wants to know how would you describe the biggest differences between competing at Robot Wars and BattleBots? Is there anything that you would want to add to BattleBots from Robot Wars that uh, Robot Wars did really well? Um. I think both shows have their quirks and their specific audiences. I feel like the biggest difference is, is that scale. It's, it's scale and money and the types of teams that compete are not the same, really. So Robot Wars is more about the shed builds and like the garage builds and like what can you make out of scrap that you find lying around. Um, like Sarah's dad's first robot, the alien, was built with polycarbonate panels made from like a they, telephone box. Yeah, so... Uh, my dad works for a British telecom, uh, and there, there may have been a skip at work with an old phone box in, and old phone boxes were made out of polycarbonate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's that kind of um, that kind of ingenuity that made Robot Wars quite <laughs> special. Um, and BattleBots is, I think, more like, it's more like the F1 compared to... Stock car racing or something. I don't know, like a destruction <laughs> derby type thing? there's so much more money in it and the teams just put a lot more what's the word effort a lot more money it's a lot more effort Effort. i don't know if i'd say effort but um there's more of a there's more of a sort of fanfare with BattleBots, isn't there it's so rogue wars is i think focused more about on the robot um like getting back in there because you've only got like four hours to repair um it's, it's it's more about keeping that robot going, whereas I think BattleBots is more it's more about the team, it's more about the presence, it's more about not a show, but more more of a more of a, a presence. I think it's got um it's got the big the big the big show, and I think robots has got the the big heart. I think I think that's how I I see it. So if you could take elements of Robot Wars that you really love and put them into BattleBots, it would be that kind of garage build spirit, like that kind of more homegrown, like uh, a kid kid and their dad, you know, kind of <laughs> building a robot together. Is that right? Um, I'm not bothered <laughs> in that bit. <laughs> I mean, are we all really grown up for building, what, 250 pound, 113 kilo robots to <laughs> destroy each other? When you think about it, it's all a bit weird, right? Like what we do. <laughs> it's a bit of a crazy sport slash hobby, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, as I said, I think shows have their audiences and both are great for different reasons. Um, I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's simply a case of just directly comparing BattleBots to Robot Wars. It's more just 
they're they're great for different reasons, I think. I very much started off as the shed builds and uh, have now moved on to the kind of, well, the shed junk builds. Now it's the shed CAD builds. Um, And I I can... Milk bottles. I can do both, but I arguably enjoyed the shed, the uh, junk builds more just because there was so little on the line and so little expectation to do well that you could just kind of relax, have fun, and just kind of... No pressure. See what happens and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. Zero pressure, zero, you know, just there to have a good time. Nuts, doing Nuts 1 in Series 8 was still the best time I've ever had doing robots, Um, despite, like, other successes later on. uh, Series 8 of Nuts 1 was just fantastic. Um, And just, yeah, we spent so little on the robot. Um, We actually made £300 that series because... Uh, expenses were covered and the cost of the robot was so cheap um, but uh, it didn't cost us anything and we went with our only goal was to um, you know sort of get into the first fight anything after that was, was the plus and we had a great great run and beat Razor well outlasted Razor and went yeah. on to do four more fights previous world and yeah had a great time exactly mm-hmm. it was a good time I think as well, you've hit a really good point, Corey. Like, you said survive one fight. Robot Wars is harsh. Like, until the last series, if you lost your first fight, goodbye. Yeah. You go home. Can like that, that is the case. It. Yeah. You're not in you're not in the after mm-hmm. you're not in the show, you're not in the pits. Goodbye, you're going home. You're not, you're not in the hotel, you're not <laughs> eating dinner. Yep, turns out you don't, you don't get another the, another night at the hotel either, you're, you're done. I can confirm that is... You just go home. Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it is proper brutal in comparison. You imagine that if we went to BattleBots, you lost your first fight. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> They're cancelling your hotel, Yeah. <laughs> Um, we've got a good question here about Robot Wars from Martin Dithers, who writes, I'm super glad you guys are back, and I hope you do super well in this and every season. I was a huge fan of Concussion, Nuts, and Toron from Robot Wars before I found BattleBots. What are the biggest differences between the robots, and what do you think you've learned from them that you've carried over into Monsoon? Oh, who wants to start that one? I mean, for, for me, I think... Um... What's nice about Monsoon is that you can clearly see, like, the design iteration, iteration from Toron Mark One and onwards. Um, you can clearly see that the DNA is there in Toron One, and like, I feel like even with Toron One, I, I like to think that I had the right idea with the pivoting weapon design, uh, even though it didn't really work in Toron One. I, I like that that's kept in the design and is kind of the main feature yeah. of Monsoon now. Yeah, I think with. Uh... The only input that Nuts has had has been uh, various increasing levels of silly technology being added to uh, um, Monsoon over the years. We haven't turned on the melty brain. <laughs> so we're doing more and more things that Tom uh, initially hates and then eventually goes along with. Um, silly ideas is kind of my input. Um but uh, more pivots and more brushless, basically. Too many pivots. Rory, mm. <laughs> how many um, milk bottle caps did Monsoon 2 have in it, exactly? I, I forget. Several. It was, it was 
it's, it's a useful building material. <laughs> they make they make great washes and in, in gearboxes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you serious? Like, there's real. There were really milk bottle caps inside. It's, of it's, it's, a, it's a very low low friction um, plastic, and it's it's a good wow. thin material of light thickness, which is very abundant. Um, yeah, not on Monsoon Three. Monsoon Three is okay. free of all milk bottle. Nuts also had milk bottle in it, actually. So that's one thing they had in common is that both the gearbox in Nuts uh, Nuts Two and Monsoon Two had uh, milk bottle lid washers. Uh, to space the gears out. So there you go. Head of ideas on Team Monsoon. Yeah. And the gearboxes both worked. Good. Uh, Battlebot Superfan, Ryder Lee Engel wants to know, um, how different is it fighting... Oh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. How different is it fighting at extreme robots compared to Battlebots, aside from the weapon limits? And do you think fighting Monsoon there did a good job of preparing you for Battlebots? You can see what you're doing at Battlebots for a start. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the polycast pretty scratched up at, at ER. It's it's a traveling arena, so it's it's good to like test to like. Obviously, it's the only place in the UK that we can drive and spin, so it's really it's good driving practice. Um, it's good to be able to hit things. Yeah, even though we are limited to half speed. It's it's without without yeah. being hmm, without being at all rude. It's a bit like. You have to win your regionals to go to national. Like, if if you don't perform there, you will not survive at BattleBots. Like, you just won't. I mean, this is a hobby tournament, which is really good. And there are some champs there, and there's some really good drivers. And there's, there's nothing about the people at all that's bad or anything like that. But if you're not winning your regionals, you're not winning your nationals. Like, you need to win there to prove your bot. Otherwise, you won't make it. Battle bots, it's just another league. Yeah. It's so much harder. The pressure, everything. It, it's it's a hundred times more. Like it's not not even necessarily the robots, it's the environment. Yeah. We've got a good question here from serial killer builder Kokoto Mane, who wants to know, generally speaking, how would you compare the UK and US robot fighting scenes right now? I think again, I would compare it to say Robot Wars and BattleBots. Both are great, but for different reasons. Um, I think in the UK, you tend to see a lot more people building more with like their hands and hand tools. And you get a lot of people making things out of just like junk they've got around the house and bits of plastic. Um, and you do in the US as well. Um, but I think part of the reason for that is simply the arena design. So in the US, you get a lot more arenas that are just pure boxes, which is great for pure combat. But in the UK, you have the out of the arena zones and the pit. Uh, and sometimes you get house robots. So you have to design for different scenarios and you can't just get away with building a pure spinner box in the UK. You have to kind of think, how can I avoid the pit? How can I, you know, maneuver my opponent around? And and you have to think with a bit more, you, you have to put a bit more thought into not just making a spinner death machine, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other difference is that um, all the UK events are kind of, uh, you get several a month and all of which are kind of only a few hours away at most um, travel time. Uh, whereas in the US, I feel the uh, the dense, the number of events is about the same as the US, but the density of them is uh, a lot uh, fewer and further between. Um, so for a robot, 
at Robotier here, you can go to a lot of different events very easily, uh, whereas in the US, it can become quite uh, either quite expensive or you do uh, your, your one local event. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to, in the UK to do a, lot, a, a wider variety of um, different events than it would be out in the uh, out in the states i'd imagine you don't need to fly to them in the UK. right i feel like in the u.s um we we're such we're such a large like geographic country that you're always seeing a new robot and a new builder show up because it's like oh i fight out in california and i'm flying out to connecticut and i'm gonna flying uh fight in connecticut you know like in the uk are you seeing the same people like is it a much tighter knit community do, do you feel a hundred percent there's definitely new people that, that turn up to uh, kind of uh, events, but there is definitely a, a large core. Yeah, and it's also kind of like people moving between weight classes. So, like, you might go to an outweight event and then a year later they'll see them at a beetle weight or you'll go to a featherweight and you'll be like, oh, you were at the beetle weight event last year. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I bought my first featherweight, that kind of thing. So, yeah, a lot of people, I think more people do more of the weight classes like yeah like quite a lot of the people that do uh ants do beetles yeah people don't tend to stick to just one yeah it's a nice community that's awesome we haven't got the biggest um feather scene at the moment yeah um there's sort of only one event running and we used to have a few used to have used to have a really cool one which was great but it, that is definitely a bit of a hole at the moment, the feathers, because unless you live in the Midlands or North, you've really got nothing to go to. Yeah. Um, quite a pain to get to, really, which is a shame. The only sort of event. It's a good event, but, you know, there's only one or two events in there. Yeah. For us Southerners. Uh, to, be, to be fair, with the with the feathers, um, there's a couple of people that do it, Robo Dojo and Fight Fest. Um, and they're both really great, uh, you know, for what they do. But they are quite far for people to get to in in the UK, um, and uh, the the Coopers used to run um, Insomnia every, and Insomnia every year, the Featherweight Championships, which were fantastic. And they've totally said they they've totally said they're going to do it again. So everyone needs to pester them about that. Um, <laughs> and that was that was fantastic. That was really great. It was um, yeah. So, so Insomnia is a a gaming convention at one of like the big. UK indoor arenas for context. Yeah. Uh, so they, they set up like a featherweight. It used to be a, a two day featherweight competition that used to get run there annually. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's transition to a couple of questions about BattleBots and just to kind of set the, the stage for that. Um, so we last saw you in 2019. Uh, obviously, we all experienced COVID, but what happened in 2020 and 2021 with the robot and the team? Oh man, what a what a tale this is! <laughs> so for the for the uninitiated, uh, in 2020 we were accepted onto BattleBots, uh, and we built the robot, and we're going to fly out. Um, however, pan- no, that's the pan- 2021. 2020, the pandemic happened. Oh yeah, 2020. And yeah. Um, 2020, the pandemic. Yeah, so we couldn't go. Luckily, though, we'd caught. Uh, well, the pandemic had happened in time for us to not ship the robot or book flights. So, no harm, no foul. It's a bit gutting, but yeah. we hadn't really lost out too much. Um, so we have a year off, and then 2021 comes around, 
and we and we're told by BattleBots at the time, um, don't worry, you you can totally make it on these things called NIE visa waivers, and these are basically uh, waivers that allow you to travel into the US uh, without the need for a visa. I think yeah. is that correct? And but more importantly, without the need to quarantine in a third party country for two weeks, because if we had to do that, that would be like four or five weeks off work, yeah. which is not possible for most people. Um, so we, we go ahead with that and we ship the robot and we book our flights. And then the day before we're supposed to take off, uh, I get told, oh, your NIE visas have been declined. I'm so sorry, but you can't make it. You can't fly. So that was honestly one of the hardest like moments that we've had, I would say. Yeah. It's hard it's hard to describe to people outside of this community what that meant to us at that moment because we'd put like two years of effort at this point into the robot. We booked our flights, our bags were packed, we were well, <laughs> uh, myself and Sarah and Rory were at the pub waiting to take off and then we couldn't go and I think I remember Rory just collapsing on the floor. <laughs> And I think that's the the right response. So yeah. that was rough, very rough. I I previously had to pull out to go to that series, um, just with work and other commitments as well. The uh, the crate made it though to Las Vegas, and we saw these very sad photos of the crate sitting there um, by itself. Did you did you think at all about like um, you know um, getting the the kiwis or something to open up the crate and run the robot for you? Yeah, you know, a few people have asked that question, that exact question. And, like, that would have been the most heartbreaking thing to do, almost. Because we'd put all this effort into this robot and the crate was sitting there and we were desperate to use it. And I, I think for me personally, watching someone else drive it would have been, yeah, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, like, we, we, we started that one when you were at your old, old house. Yes. Yeah, we moved house yeah. three times in the last. Yeah, we. Yeah. Yeah. A lot has changed. A, a lot had happened. It was like a history yeah. pot in some ways. Yeah. We have photos of the robot in three different garages. <laughs> <laughs> and in the back of the moving van as well. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but, On the plus side, though, the drive we had in for 2020 and 2021 was awful and it would have gone terribly. So. On the on, on the bright side, at least we got time to rebuild a nice new drive system that was much better for 2022, which gave us no issues. Not enough. So muscle cap. that was one positive to take away. The original 2020 monsoon would have been a whole <laughs> a whole mess, a hot mess. That's great, Rory. Rory with the the silver lining. That's that's fantastic. Um, so uh, this sets up a good question from Pat Maloney, who wants to know how did it feel returning to the battle box? You know, like coming into the pits, realizing I'm here, my robot is here. That's our pit area. Like this thing that I've wanted for the last two years is actually happening. Like, what was that feeling as you were coming into the pits? Ooh. I said I wouldn't believe it until we got off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like being back with family, literally. <laughs> I wasn't going to believe it until we had passed the initial COVID test to actually get in the pits. Oh yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if we yeah. float, if we had failed that, we wouldn't be allowed in the pits. And you know, having yeah. just been on the plane and flown out. So for the people listening, basically for this year, in order to get into the pits, we had to. Uh, do COVID all tests. Teams. All teams had to do COVID tests. So we had to go to the pits, 
finally, after two years, we're here. And then we had to do this test and stand outside for like 20 minutes. And we had to wait outside for 20 minutes while like... We all waited for an email. We all waited for an email to say, you're, you're passed, you're in. And it was the worst 20 minutes ever. <laughs> it was so hot as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I was I was part of Team Shredded this year. Uh, we were we were pit pit neighbors, you know. We we're kind of kitty corner to one another, and uh, yeah, I, I remember standing out there, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh God, why did I go to that restaurant last night? I probably caught COVID, you know. Like I'm, you know, I'm just trying to think through everything I did in the last week, you know, because uh, I desperately wanted to get in, you know. Um, yeah, we were at a wedding the day before, so <laughs> right, we were wedding. Oh my god, that Who's was scary. This, uh, Sam Elliott from the Robocast. Sam Elliott sixty four and Mrs. Sam Elliott sixty four. Yeah. yeah, we were at their wedding and it was great, but it was a lot of people. <laughs> we were very scared. Yeah. Um, Seth Schaefer wants to know: um, Did you feel that the whole field's technology in those two seasons that you missed due to COVID had moved forward faster than anticipated in your absence? Or were you able to keep pace? Like, did you feel like coming into the building season seven, you felt ready um, compared to your competitors? Were we able to keep pace? That that feels like a spoiler question. But um, in terms of like technology, um, luckily, I think we'd been watching the the uh, yeah. you know the series that happened without us, so we were aware of what was happening, and we had seen people getting more and more powerful. And the field is definitely. A lot harder hitting and a lot more scary than it's ever been. Um, and I'd like to think that at least up to this point, after our whiplash fight, I hope that we've proven that we have kept up with the field. Um, but of course, you'll just have to... We did make changes between 2020 and 2022. The robots share almost no common parts, um, despite them looking the same. Um, so, you know, the, the, the robot had had evolved along with the field we just hadn't had a chance to test it essentially yeah i think i think rory's rory's eagerness to trial brushless drive in monsoon 2 definitely put us in a good place for all the brushless stuff that went into monsoon 3 <laughs> yeah like um, while whilst it was working in 2020 yeah. we've we upgraded a number of things like the the drive motors are now the same motors that we use on the weapon, so there's a lot more power, power in the drive. We've gone from like a spur gear, a uh, planetary gear setup, to a single ring gear stage setup. That's another one of Rory's bonkers ideas that somehow worked. <laughs> it's a lot more robust. <laughs> it is, generally speaking, a lot more robust. Yeah. Except for when you get thrown by Black Dragon several times and oh. rings turn to open. When, when <laughs> <laughs> They're still going round. That was the, the main thing is they were still going around. In all fairness, though, and I think, the old drive would not have done that. No, I think the best example of how um, the technology in Monsoon 3 was up to speed with everyone else was how busy Rory was with other teams constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. We need to yeah. put a flag. Yeah, the main thing was it was simple and worked, and that's all I cared about. We uh we, we do have some good like Vesk magic questions a little bit later because um, I, I do want to hear about that. Um, yeah, uh, speaking specifically of reliability, Kyle Cuffrey writes, it looks like you made a huge leap in reliability between appearances. What changes did you make to improve reliability? Like, could, could we drill down into reliability specifically? Oh, there were so many things that we did. It, it's not just any one thing we did. It's, it's a number of things. 
It's um, it's things like taking apart our speed controllers and uh, spraying them with conformal coating. It's epoxying all of the components on your um, speed controllers and potting things like the uh, receiver connectors to the receivers. Uh, it's not just shock mounting things. It's knowing, you know, the orientation to shock mount things in. There's just a large list of things that you can do to make robots more reliable. Um, and the obvious... And if you're speaking magnet. specifically about between fights, then um, our, the main upgrade was we welded some extra covers over the, mo the weapon motors to avoid the weapon locking up again, like it did in the Black Dragon fight. Um, that was unfortunate. Plus a lot of welding from Tim. I have, I have now designed a full motor cover for next monsoon, so that will hopefully never happen again. <laughs> but it, I think... It as much the attitude as the robot, like after every fight, it was a full check, full strip down. Nobody went, that'll do at any point. I think we all just put maximum effort in to make sure it was as good as it could be. Like there were some days we barely saw each other because team one was working on the robot for the next fight. Team two was out working on the one for after. Like we were constantly busy. Like there was, I think, I think there was maybe one day where we had it fairly easy. Yeah, yeah that was. But apart from that, concise, consistent, I think was the I key. I think that's really. one of the big things that's changed for us between 2019 and our most recent, well, and current monsoon, is that we've gone with two complete ready-to-roll monsoons, plus spares for bits, bits of a third and different setups. And you just can't really do BattleBots nowadays with a single robot. I, I don't think it's possible. Um. And it means that we can have one robot ready for one fight, one ready for the next fight, and everyone can be doing something all the time. Yeah. So yeah, for context, in 2018 and 2019, we had one chassis. <laughs> and a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. To shape it back after every fight. <laughs> yeah. 2018 um, was tired when it died big time. <laughs> that was great. I I do like, uh, you know, like, so, so we were pitted very close to one another and I spent a lot of time just like staring at, uh, at the team working, you know, over there and it did feel very controlled. It was like, it was efficient. It was controlled. Um, it did not look like anyone was running around with their hair on fire. Like it was very like, uh, professional. And I think that you can kind of see that when you walk around the pits, like, oh, this is a new team. And it looks like a tornado has come through and hit a McMaster, you know, uh, shipping facility. And um, and then there's other teams like Hypershock, Witch Doctor, Switchback, Monsoon, you know, where it just is this very kind of quiet efficiency, which um, just always like, uh, yeah, it's like uh, something to aspire to, I would say. I don't think we were quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we weren't. Tom kept singing a song that got stuck <laughs> in his head. And, uh, oh, yeah. Tim had a way that? of just getting things like stuck in my ear. Songs stuck in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> songs. Songs. Cracking off, but like, all just happy to be there. Like, there was no. Like, mm. when we first arrived, all, like, back in 2018, we all had stuff going on, like, and we're all trying to prove who we were because nobody really knew us. And we're all a lot younger. Whereas this time we were just there for the appreciation of it. I know I was because like there was quite a lot going on for me with various things. And Tom and everybody was just like 
just come back. And just, just come back. And so, you know, I was just happy to be there, you know, so it was good. I think, I think there was just an appreciation of what we were doing. Yeah, that's great. The, the other, other side of it was the robot was designed very heavily for maintainability and ease of maintenance. And having the two robots just made it so nice and easy to work on. And we, we were already pretty much the beginning of each filming session every single day. One of the first robots weighed in, um, which was definitely made us uh, popular with the producers <laughs> that we, they didn't have to chase us. Even if not all of us were there, at, you know, opening time. <laughs> <laughs> we do need like a little bell or a little flag to keep track of him, I think, <laughs> when he's not helping other people. Even when we went to the test box, so the two test boxes are back, walk, back, walk back to back. And they've just got like a little black curtain down the middle. So Rory would be like sitting there logged into our vests and then someone would just poke their head. He'd, he'd hear someone spin up in the other one and be like, oh, who is it? And they'd be like, oh, I'm having an issue. And Rory would get his phone out of their vests and then be like talking to them. And Tom's <laughs> like, wait a minute. I just think you remember a point where we're spinning up in the box yeah. and then Copperhead's in the box behind <laughs> us. And I think they were having an issue maybe spinning up and then, Roy just, just borrow, Roy just like borrows my phone, logs in and goes beep boop beep, and then it spins up. Like Roy, what are you? <laughs> Roy, are you still on our team? <laughs> just just thing around. <laughs> well, our vests worked, so I didn't need to do anything. That. <laughs> I am. I'm very interested in getting into the vests. We we have questions about them, uh, mostly because Shredder Bro also had Vesk Gremlins. And, um, you know, like you can see in the first two fights of our season, like the Vesk gremlins on display. Um, and Vesk is just such an interesting technology. Like I, I didn't know much about it until I went to BattleBots and it was like really eye opening to see, um, that a lot of robots that have kind of strange first and second matches had some Vesk issues. Um, so yeah, I, I, I promise we're going to get to those. That's really interesting. Um, Mario Cast from Texas, he writes, hello, Team Monsoon. Um, the redesign looks great by being so compact from the older version. Um, has this compactness led to uh, putting your weight into more armor or a heavier disc? Like basically, where did that extra weight go? Ooh. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. The chassis is now actually made of real steel rather than three millimeter cheese like the first one i think the weight mostly has come from going all in on brushless and that's mostly rory's fault again <laughs> but seriously going all brushless gave us the weight to make everything thicker uh we've got multiple setups uh the weapons are bigger now as well um and yeah by the bulkheads are twice as bulkheads thick. are literally yeah. twice as thick as they were in 2018 like mm -hmm. literally <laughs> Um, and yeah, we have lots of different setups as well. So we can have thinner front armor, thinner rear armor, and put different lids on, different forks. You've seen the wedges. Uh, there's things you've not seen yet as well, which is exciting. Um, so yeah. Um, we're going to get into a series of questions about uh, your invertibility for the robot. Um, so we'll kick it off with a question from Mario. Um, Mario also writes, what structural components keep the articulating frame from failing Good luck, UK Roboteers. <laughs> um, so basically, so yeah, it, in in the previous monsoon, uh, the the way the 
weapon module section bolted to the chassis was with two M30 bolts, um, which were great until they fell out in our fight with Hypershock. So for the latest Monsoon, what we've done is we've got two uh, custom bushings, you could say, uh, that slots together into big holes in the pods, and then they bolt in with lots of nice big chunky bolts. Uh, and they're hollow as well, which allows the weapon motor uh, wires to come through. Um, they're a lot beefier than they have been before, but in theory, <laughs> not to jinx it, but if we take a hit that's hard enough and those break, a pod will totally come off. <laughs> and because they're independently wired, you could drive away like like Red Devil. Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm asking for anyone to do that, but in theory... <laughs> but I don't think I'd be very surprised. You'd have to. It'd have to be quite the hit. Yeah. To get to them, the, the robots dead anyway. <laughs> to get yeah. to that point, you'd have to have gone through the rear armor and then through either the pod frame or the weapon bulkhead frame. Yeah, and there's a lot of weight in these bushings. They weigh like <gasps> two kilos each, I think at least. Yeah. Like they're heavy. Um, we got questions about invertibility from uh, Tom Lun, uh, Lum as well as Francois Pelser. Um, but I think a good one here from Alex Pick, who runs Zane at NHRL, kind of sums up these questions. Alex asks, Monsoon's chassis is wacky. Can you explain how it works? What is attached to what? Do wires have to move? Do you have to look at Ben radii? Like, basically, how does it work? So, yeah, the design. Um, so, I think... When I was doing like Toron 1 the first time at least, um, I knew that I wanted to do a horizontal spinner or a vertical spinner. And with horizontal spinners, um, when you hit someone, half the force goes into them, but half of them goes back into you, really. So when you hit someone, you usually end up pinging across the arena. But with a vertical spinner, what's nice is that when you hit someone, um, the force goes into you know, punting them up into the sky and it pushes you on the ground. So back then the idea was, how can we make this invertible, but still keep it as a big vertical spinner? Um, and I think it was actually, I was actually with my parents at uh, Warwick Folk Festival, like years yeah. ago. And I was talking to my dad about like, we need an idea to make this thing invertible for Robot Wars 2016 at this point. And, and it was actually him that came up with the idea originally to mount it on a pivot and make it invertible. So I think I have to give my dad at least most of the credit for that original idea. <laughs> um, and then since then, it's just developed more and more and more um, with lots of ideas from Rory, of course, and Tim. Um, but yeah, the, the way that it works is that you've got two weapon motors inside the bulkhead section, uh, and they're about two inches behind the blade. Is that mm. correct, I think? Um, I wouldn't say two inches, more like an inch. Oh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, two inches sounds generous. Okay, maybe an inch behind the blade. Too close. <laughs> and um, Space is yeah. small, robot is small. And the way that it works is that each pod, each drive pod in the robot uh, is, is completely separately wired up. So as I said before, in theory, they can drive away on their own, even though we wouldn't want that to happen. And the weapon motor wires poke through the big custom bushings into the pods. Um, so we've got a nice amount of redundancy there, and um, hopefully it never falls apart like it used to. So it's also like it's it's balancing um i think i think one thing people don't consider and tom does very well is you have to put a loom in your robot like you have to consider the cabling so you can make a beautiful mechanical design but you also need to remember that like those weapon motors do need cables to come through and 
you do need to be able to plug them in. And for such a small robot, it's actually designed very well in that way. I, I'd say it's actually weirdly, it was easier to work on than the boat, the first one was. Monsoon won the boat. Because it kind of had to follow a certain shape and pattern. Um, but it was considered like you thought about the switch and where the contacts were facing. And, you know, there, there is a lot to consider when it comes to like the loom side, like this, this guy has asked. So it's, it's something a lot of people sort of don't always think about, but it definitely was in this case, um, the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to transition over into questions about BattleBot 7, um, starting from uh, starting with Francois Pelser, who writes, Your blueprint t-shirt is my single favorite piece of clothing that I own. I hope you'll keep it up to date. It looks like most of the builders have a good relationship and are friends. Does it make it harder um, as friends to ask for an appeal of, uh, from the judges? Oh, so, oh, the whiplash fight. So we love the Vasquezes. They are just a fantastic bunch of people. They're a great family. Um, and Whiplash is honestly like one of my favorite robots. Um, and knowing when to use the appeal is is hard. And fun fact, when we got to the end of that fight, um, I th- I'm pretty sure, did Debbie tell us like, oh, you should appeal. If I knew, I would. Dang. Hey, do it. Yeah. They Big time. time. Yeah, we would appeal. I think you should. You should. Just because they're nice people, they weren't trying to like goat us into anything. They were just nice people. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple more questions about the appeal. I don't know. It's still fresh on people's minds, right? Um, Ray McKean has a question about your fight with Whiplash. Writing in the Whiplash fight, I noticed a few hits where Monsoon's center weapon seemed to glance off, and this caused the robot to turn its back to Whiplash. I'm assuming the blade was spinning down when those hits happened. I just wanted to know if you planned this in the design as it allowed you to dart away and spin up while also doing damage to your opponent. It was brilliant to watch. So brilliant. Uh, was it part of the design? Um, I think the disc glancing off people is an anticipated risk, would you say? Yeah. It's kind of just part of the fun with the disc. The disc, in theory, should deliver far bigger hits than the bar ever could. But the problem with that is that when it's spinning at full pace, you really have to get a good run up when hitting someone because the tooth is quite small um, and it's it's hard to deliver those big hits. So frustratingly, most of the hits were just like grinding hits. But um, yeah, it was great fun to use. No regrets with that, I don't think. Got it. Um, we've got a good question here from Alexander Archer. Um, the thing I love about Alexander, A, he's a BattleBot super fan. He sends in great questions. And he has uh, just no fear about asking just like the question on everybody's mind. <laughs> so Alexander asks, why do you think your attempt to appeal that lost whiplash was unsuccessful? Why do you think the judges ruled in favor of whiplash there? <laughs> here we go. I knew this one was coming. So super close fight. Um, and after looking at the judges' scorecards, you know, I oh, what can I say here without sounding all salty? So I totally respect the judges, but I still respectfully disagree with the decision. I think um, perhaps it's easier if I if I kind of go through how I would score it. I think, yeah. So going through the fight, um, I think damage is. Five points? Is it five points? Yeah. Yeah. So we came away from that fight, I think, 
with just cosmetic damage. Correct. Um, we were driving fine. The weapon was spinning fine in both directions. So we had fork, I think, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think Whiplash came away from that fight with, um, you know, one of their drive sides was down, so that's quite substantial damage. Um, uh, their armor was peeled up. Uh, we'd taken off one of their forks. Um, their weapon had been intermittent. And, and at least at the time, we thought their weapon had been intermittent. We thought that might have been us as well. So. If I was to score that, I'd probably give us 4-1 on damage. I don't... And I feel like there's not too much of an argument to be made there. I don't think that's too controversial. If anyone disagrees, feel free, but... There's no argument there. It was 100% on us, damage-wise. And then I think the next category would be control, and I think you've got to give it to Whiplash, so I would do at least 2-1 control. Um, I think, interestingly, was it Derek? Yeah. Derek rescored it 3 to Whiplash, which I think is an interesting choice because that because that to me suggests that we had absolutely no control of the fight, and I disagree. I think we certainly had control at points. You know, there were there were moments where I was definitely driving at them with my weapon going, and where I was I was able to get around the side of them. Um, I think two one definitely to them. Um, and aggression, you stopped when they rammed us. You turned away to stop them pinning us. Like there was some definite control. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, aggression, you could put it either way. Um, I think the definition of aggression is it's something like uh, attacking a robot with your weapon. And if you, de- I don't know if you would define Whiplash's weapon as the lifter or the spinner, but either way, y- you would have to go at least 2-1 to them or 2-1 to us. I don't think either robot would get all three points. Um, but the point being that no matter how you score those last two categories, as long as we get you know, 4-1 on damage, we should win on the points so you know again a fantastic fight but um i'm i am surprised that it was scored the way it was and especially the the rescoring after the appeal i'm very surprised it went uh to unanimous um i didn't realize that until after um we saw the episode that that had even happened so <laughs> i we we properly disputed it i, I do a lot of um it, it, we didn't make a big deal of it, but we felt it was worth the call because I, I do a lot of judging over in the UK and Tom sort of was like, go on, Tim, go, go, go on, go on, go argue our case. So I was sort of like, yeah, screw it, I'll go for it. <laughs> but even from my point of view, and completely unbiased because of being on the team, as as a judge, I would have said it was it was Monsoon. Um, the only category Whiplash out stood in was control. But even then it wasn't absolute. So... You know, I I thought it was a bit of an un, un little unfair, but you got to roll with the punches. Uh, Alexander's got a good follow up question, kind of looking ahead. So, what is your strategy now for death roll? Your your next match, <laughs> death roll. Oh my god! So when we saw that we had death roll, I think we were all just very excited because <laughs> death roll is just another massive vertical spinner. Yeah. <laughs> so either way, it's going to be great. Um, and I think at the time that was part of our decision to use the appeal because either way, we don't think that death roll is going to the judges. <laughs> nice. Good. Um, all right. Switching gears uh, to kind of talk about Vesks with Rory. Um, so uh, so Rory, I guess maybe, maybe you could set us up. Um, what is a Vesk and why were so many robots having problems with Vesks? this year so 
Vesks are a <laughs> motor controller that BattleBots has a strong love-hate relationship with. Um, the it, they're very good in that they're very flexible um, and can be set up for a wide range of uses. Um, unfortunately, they're very flexible and can be set up for a very wide range of uses, and therefore are regularly uh, are very difficult to set up for the correct use case, um, and are often not the most obvious things to use. Uh, they can be quite challenging. Um, so yes, a lot of a lot of teams who turn up with a robot expect and motor controllers expecting it to work straight off without having to spend several days beforehand working out their settings are of often unpleasantly surprised um that it doesn't work out the box and even teams who have spent a long time working on it uh beforehand will often find that uh on the day for whatever reason it's just not working um, so I spent probably around 50% of my time at BattleBots this year setting up motor controllers for people um, or helping diagnose issues or some form or other um, trying to get them going. I mean, don't get me wrong, they are great controllers. A lot of the top teams now use them. Um, and we were some of the fir- one of the first teams to bring them across and uh, start using them in BattleBots. Um, but yes, they're still far from a um, drop-in, out-of-the-box uh, solution like you would get with the old uh, brushed motor controllers. Um, so typically, I, like VESCs are used for what? Like electric skateboards? I mean, like um, what's what's the what's the actual application for them outside of uh, death machines? Yeah, so originally they were developed by a guy in Europe um, as kind of a home project uh, open source for electric skateboards because that was his thing. Um, but it's kind of evolved to be broader than that, um, but they still have a heavy fo- focus on skateboarding. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so they now have a, a larger set of controllers that do higher powers, that are kind of designed for larger scale EVs. Um, so kind of personal transport vehicles, I guess, is the... Uh, is the kind of core core market for this but they are well aware that um the controllers get used in combat robots uh in insofar as they sponsor a couple of the teams including us um and we i at the end it's a very good way of getting feedback on the build quality of your controllers is uh throwing them into battle bots and seeing how they survive um or how they don't survive um, in some cases, so yeah, they're, they're, it's it's very much not what they were designed for. But with um, careful setting up, I mean, very few things are designed specifically for combat robotics on the open market. It's quite a it's quite a niche market to go into. So a lot of what we use is repurposed from um, other industries or uh, hobbies. Um, and so Vesk is uh, kind of falls into that category. Yeah, it was funny. So, so Shreddit had some Vesk issues, and I think the Krakens talked publicly about how the latest Vesk firmware or something was um, like created some some new problems for for teams. 
And um, Greg Needell from Switchback came over and talked to me and he was like, Vesk is like a dark magic. Like it's a dark art because um, you basically have to trick your Vesk into spinning a huge piece of metal at 250 miles an hour because like your electric skateboard controller doesn't want to go 250 miles an hour because it'd be killing its riders, you know? And it's like, um, you've got to find somebody like Rory out there who knows all the settings to basically help you unwind all of this like weird safety stuff, like inside of the vest. Like, is that, is that accurate? Is that, is that how you'd characterize it? Surprisingly enough, a lot of the time people are having problems. It's actually because they're trying to get too creative with it and change too many settings. A lot of the time, you can just get away with uh, the default setup um, with a couple of minor tweaks. Um, but you're, you're often, I'd, you know, you find a team um, that have got really into the weeds of uh, playing around with some. Uh, pretty wild settings and that's fine as long as you've tested it a lot beforehand but a lot of the time it'll end up causing more problems than expected um but uh, there was a couple of recurring problems that uh various teams uh you, you found across various teams um one of which being encoders encoders are just very difficult to do well in BattleBots and with Vesks. Um, it can be done, like a lot of some of the teams like Hypershock do use encoders, but you have to be very uh, careful about noise and alignment and all the rest of it. Um, whereas the new, some of the new Vesk features kind of makes that redundant these days. And yeah, it's it's a lot of, a lot of the time it's um, trying to be overly almost overly cautious and adding extra features to make it work more reliably can often uh hinder you in actually getting it to uh work because it's made it more complicated but uh yeah some teams it's it's works out the box some some teams are just cursed and however much fiddling i did it um it was it was still struggling um so it very much depends on what your setup is as to how much luck you're going to have in the box Awesome. Very good. Um, we got a good question here from Luke Cantal, uh, Copperhead team member Luke Cantal. Um, <clears throat> he wants to know, Rory, how many uh, Vesks do you estimate you tuned? And uh, Tim, how many people do you estimate you picked up in the pits? <laughs> uh, I'll go first on that one. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we worked out. I did... I worked on Vesks for about a, yeah a quarter 20... of the field, um, so probably around about thirty Vesks um, across uh, yeah fifteen twenty robots. Um, so a, a few certainly. Yeah, also multiple times. That's true. Yes, a lot of the teams. Some teams. Yes, right. required a few visits. And then you revisited them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Tim, how many people do you pick up? Was it more or less than 30? Depends if we're talking about physical or emotional levels, Rory. Um, uh, really, this is quite a deep question. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't know. I just, I, as a rule, I just, I like people. Um, and for some reason, people <laughs> seemingly like the idea of a large British 
bear Viking man thing, giving them a nice cuddle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. You're very good at cuddling, Tim. Well, speaking of cuddly Vikings that everyone likes, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Chris and Lindsay, uh, who are going to ask uh, questions about the future and uh, all of our weird and wonderful kind of random questions from the fans. So uh, this has been fantastic. Don't call my wife a Viking. <laughs> oh, listen, you guys are like six foot five each and everyone loves both of you, you know? I mean, my last like name is Bear. That is true. So there you go. I, I feel like I feel like, uh, you know, if if we all lived in, you know, the UK, we would hang out with this group. Like, I mean, I feel like we're. You know, we're uh, we're 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 just we're just separated by the Atlantic. You know, that's, 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 that's what I feel, you know. Only a small ocean, really. Like, yeah, only that one. <laughs> yeah. the pond. Well, uh, we'll, we'll have to hang warm, in a suburban Connecticut at some point. Beautiful, so, sunny, warm suburban yeah. Connecticut. <laughs> All right, Chris and Lindsay, take take it take it away. All right, uh, I'm going to start here with a question from Michael Wise, who has a retrospective question. What's your favorite win and your favorite loss? Oh, okay. So for me, my favorite win is against Sawblaze in 2018. I think. For me, that was the one that proved that like we were one of the big dogs, at least we were back then. <laughs> um, and my favorite loss was against Son of Boy, actually, just because it was really cool to see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tim? I I can't answer one of those. <laughs> I, I actually physically can't answer the favorite win. Um, I just can't. Wait, yeah, I think I know, I know which one that is. That there was, there's a certain thing that means a lot to me, um, and I I can't answer that. Uh, but the favorite loss, I think my favorite loss was probably against Minotaur. I, I think that was my favorite loss because I I think that by that point. The first monsoon had well outdid its expectations, and to lose to the guys who came second, and really, and I think everyone on concussion would agree, is that it. Minotaur was like the apex of what concussion wanted to be, and we didn't have the sponsors or the funding or the platform to do that with concussion. But I think that's all what we wanted it to be, and it was quite nice to be taken out by, a you know another big loud character and be such a great machine i think i i sort of even though we didn't put on a great fight we actually got quite close to taking out the weapon and it was just quite like a oh this this seems okay i'm, I'm fine with this and also after the crazy excitement of that series it was nice to actually just well just relax not worry about how many beers you have that evening and just chill for the rest of it it was quite good it's a bit of a release <laughs> Rory, what about you I think much the same in that um, the I enjoyed the Son of Wachi loss a lot just because it meant that I got to rebuild the entire of the uh, chassis half of uh, Monsoon against the against the t- odds in terms of timing. Um, when you weren't building Predator. Yeah, <laughs> building Predator was great fun. But uh, Rory was yeah. there, but not on our team, but he was on our team. <laughs> yeah. After after the Waiachi fight, definitely oh, yeah. on the team. Um, yeah, Sawblaze. Was that the one after we got 
cider press yeah, together, yeah, Rory. To get the E-Tech. To split the motor. <laughs> that was quite good, actually. I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. No, 2018 was a good yeah. time. Um, and yeah, this, this old blaze fight was, was very satisfying. All right. I have a two-part question from Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters. Uh, Jeff opens with, as a fellow compact tall vert, when will we have our tall boys face off? Also, any plans on coming stateside for large events like NHRL? <laughs> oh, jackpot. Uh, fantastic machine. Great team. Uh, um, we, we'd love to fight them. Yeah, bring it on. I think that'd be a really cool one. Um, and NHRL. So personally, I would love to go. I think it's an awesome competition. Undoubtedly uh, one of the best in the world for Beetleweights. Um, so Sarah and I were at least considering going over last year, I think. Was it? Yeah, was it May? It might have been the May one. Uh, but life and BattleBots kind of got in the way, mm. mostly. Um, Limited holiday and all that. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, like, this year and going, um, I know there's a contingent going in June, June. I believe, from Britain. Yeah. Um, and again, I'd love to go along with them, but it just depends on BattleBots and, and potential life. filming and... And life as well. Uh, with... my, my current fixed term contract expires on the 30th of yeah. June. So I don't really want to plan to go away for like yeah. a week and then be like, oh, I'll start a new job now. Yeah. Life is getting busier. <laughs> it kind of the short term. We're, we're, we're all adulting now. So yeah. 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 We just bought a hat. We bought. So last year when we went to, obviously we went to Battle Wars in October with a filming we just bought our house in july yes so we had to move with all of monsoon uh july and reassemble the garage which we didn't realize it didn't have power we were welding monsoon three right like months before BattleBots, uh, with a 10 meter long extension lead connected like through the window in the kitchen yeah <laughs> So <laughs> welding on that was fun. It got warm, but it didn't melt, did it? We still didn't set anything on fire. No, there were no fires, so. <laughs> uh, no, there weren't, no. No. <laughs> but yeah, li life is getting busier. Busier and busier. Yeah, that, that adulting stream does flow both ways. Lindsay and I, we got married the first week of October, and guess where we honeymooned? <laughs> it, at BattleBots. BattleBots. Oh yeah, oh we had God. we had a, we had a great destination picked out in 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 Portugal and the Azores and beaches and how how many different kind of fried seafoods can I eat? No 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 no. Now I'm now I'm in the home of buffets surrounded by tourists coughing on me. But we got some robot action <laughs> in, so it was awesome. <laughs> I have tried to convince Sarah that we should get married by like an Elvis Presley impersonator. That would be good. Sounds reasonable. You know who doesn't want to get married by like the king of pop? No, she's not keen though. She's not keen. I I, I would I I would even wanna he was insistent that when we went to Vegas for the filming last October that if we should just get a photo outside one of like the just married places. I was like Your mum. I'm not gonna send that photo. I just wanna I'm see what your mum would gonna do. Be in that photo because I'm not gonna <laughs> deal with the aftermath. <laughs> oh, the thing is we we get we go to do that, and then after a few drinks, like me, Rory, and Tim would all get married as like a thruple. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I reckon Monsoon would beat them. <laughs> I think so. 
All right. So uh, Fallout builder Matt Lantry wants to know, how do you think some of the top NHRL Beatles, like, uh, you know, completely unaltered, aside from, you know, some of the safety precautions, how do you think that they would fare in the UK scene? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Beatles. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nasty Beatles. Um, I think something I touched on earlier, a lot of the Beatles in America are designed to to do really well in boxes in which there are no arena hazards there's no pit there's no uta zone um i think a lot of them would do very well in terms of destruction but also a lot of them would probably end up in the pit so it's hard to say for sure um i think you know we need some u.s robots to come on over and have a go if, if they think they can do it <laughs> yeah i um yeah. We, we'll, we'll come over and we'll bring freedom to some of your events don't worry <laughs> all right i have a question here from alexander archer are you going to apply for next season of BattleBots? And if so, what upgrades do you have planned? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, go on then. Go on then. Why not? Yeah, we're going to reply. Um, there's a few things we'd like to change. Uh, I, I think as you've seen in our Black Dragon fight, reliability is still one of those things that we could probably improve on. Um, but generally speaking, um, you know, without giving away any spoilers, we were mostly happy with how the robot is at the moment. Um, so... Yeah, you'll just have to see what happens to us in the rest of the season. Um, and, yeah. Bombshell Captain and BattleBots Match Steward Mike Jeffries wants to know, Tom, if you were to ever retire Monsoon or go full super team and bring a second heavyweight and, and knew you could enter whatever design that you'd like, what would you build? Oh, so I'm a big fan of grabbers. I really want to build a grabber. I think they're cool. I like how dynamic they are and just like, the idea of picking up another robot and just dragging them to somewhere in the arena and dropping them on like a big spike or a big saw just sounds really fun. Uh, either that, either that, or me and Tim will build. Uh, will build Rhino, right, Tim? <laughs> so I have a question here from Sean Peterson. Uh, you know, just taking a look at the landscape that you've seen this year, what four bots would you pick for your season eight matches? Oh, uh, that you'd like to fight, or that or that we think we would we'd get. That we think we would get. Oh, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> what would you pick for your season eight matches? Oh, oh, Tim, Tim, Rory, one of you go. I have ideas, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say just in case we actually get them. <laughs> well, Tom's go always on, Tim. said he's wanted a heavy hitter ever since series eight. Uh, no, series eight. Um, Hang on a minute. Twenty eighteen. <laughs> you know, I- Always, always said you would like to fight Tombstone. So uh, whoever's uh, a minute. whoever's the closest to uh, hitting hitting hardest. Um, we'll start I small. Think, I think it got cut, but um, yeah, <laughs> they were asking about that, and I sort of said, even though Tombstone's a bit of a dinosaur, it's still quite an achievement to take down a T Rex. So I would love it as well. I think I would actually really love Shredderator because, like, we're the big flag-waving Brit team, they're the big flag-waving American team. I think that'd be a, a cool one. Some kind of horizontal, like, uh, well, we did have Horizon, of course, but, like, uh, uh, one of the really big, hard-hitting ones would be cool because it'd be nice to prove that we can take them, you know? I wouldn't mind Copperhead. That's a good choice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well Copperhead. As, as Casey and Zach will tell you, I think, you know, we managed to take down Poison Arrow with an axe <laughs> box in China. It'd be like 
So it's like kicking a concrete football around for three minutes. <laughs> like, what do you do? Well, there's no there's no better way to like actually train kicking around a real football than to kick a concrete one. <laughs> oh, break your foot. <laughs> I would love to see that. I have a feeling though it would not go the full three minutes. For whoever ends up on top, that would no. not that would be a knockout for someone. No. <laughs> that that would that would um yes. <laughs> All right, I have a question here from Ryan Hunter, who helps run pit control at NHRL. And Ryan wants to know, fun question, what robots are in your theoretical combat robot museum? Oh, oh, for me, uh, Chaos 2 is one of them, because that was like my favorite robot was robot back in the day. Absolutely. I mean, real life museum, the alien. <laughs> the alien is in uh, Sarah's oh, parents' wait, house. tornado. <laughs> oh, maybe even tornado, because we have a piece of tornado... In our lounge. In our lounge, just over there. <laughs> that was your your dad had that piece, yeah. didn't he? He wanted it like an auction or something. Yeah. I was I was razor <laughs> when I was a kid. Oh, those. Yeah. Razor for me. Got to throw in hypno disc. Yeah, I mean, living around the corner from him as well. It's you know, it's all right. <laughs> These are all, of course, famously uh, famous robots that appeared on BattleBots that we're talking about right now. So. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> the original Tazbot I liked because it was very different to anything else. It was it was just like, oh, that shouldn't be winning, but oh, it it is. Oh, it's pretty effective. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked it. It just looked like something that should be terrible, but it was actually really irritating to fight. It looked like because it was just gets you at an angle you don't expect. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> How about those nutbusters? <laughs> oh, they were. They was definitely there just for the name. Two wheel polycarb ain't doing shit. The, the diehard fans, I think, know what's going on here. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Rory, Rory's out of arm's reach is what's going on here. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, this is a segue to one of the bots that I, I know that you had mentioned from the museum question, but Ian Miller, who runs Quicksand at NHRL, wants to know, apart from your own, what is your favorite bot named after a weather phenomenon or natural disaster? Oh, well, I loved Typhoon back in the day and the Typhoon twins on Robot Wars. I don't know any of those robots. Did you say just weather? I think natural disasters was part of the question as well. Uh... <laughs> Tim's face right now is just <laughs> glorious. He's in deep thought. That's your thumbnail right there. Uh, well, the only ones I can think of. Tim's favourite was one <laughs> two, I think. I'm not the world's. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what? Who said that? What was what? <laughs> I like Razor. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, Rory, how about you? Jump in. <laughs> Razor's I, I, I like not Razor. a storm or a weather phenomena. He's <laughs> just thinking about nuts is what he's thinking about. Rory's just funny because, you know, he's <laughs> a little, little farmyard boy. It's, uh, he's just trying to be funny. If there was a Razor storm, though, I, would, I wouldn't want to be in it. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah, I think my favourite was Nuts 2, uh, Weather Fast Boogaloo. That was my favourite robot of all time, based on the weather. It's, that sort of storm hits pretty hard. 
Speaking of another hard-hitting storm, I have a question here from Sean Cowley, who wants to ask you, Tom, can you talk us through your skincare routine? Oh, damn it, Sean. <laughs> damn it, Sean. Uh, how do you... I don't know what I can say on this podcast. You can say anything. It's fine. Can I? Yeah, go on. Anything at all, Tim. <laughs> oh, uh, pass, Rory. I think this question is directed to direct Tom, actually. You know, Tom still hasn't answered it. I mean, what can I say? I think eat lots of fatty fish and avocados, maybe tomatoes. I think tomatoes are good for your skin, right? Pretty sure. We like spaghetti here, so that's tomato. You know, if you have pizza, that's more tomato. (laughs) I've never heard of pizza as skincare, but now I feel like... You gotta have anchovies on it because of the fish. Ah, In like medieval days, didn't people used to like have baths in tomatoes and stuff? Swear I think that that's if you got sprayed by a skunk. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. Oh. It's good for the skin. Yeah. Tom is the historian of the team. Just the, yeah. Tom is the uh, archaeological and yeah. Oh, I'm so tired, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not making any sense. Skunk spray though is also incredible for the skin, or so I've heard. So you've been mm. told. Tom. Tom likes uh, uh, a nicely sautéed goose anus <laughs> to sort out his skincare. <laughs> that's what Tom likes. I... He's just embarrassed to say. He's just too embarrassed. Literally what? What is happening here, Tim? A nice goose anus. That's what he likes. Do you do you apply the fish oil to your face with the goose anus? <laughs> you nailed it. That's exactly... Like, the mountain of mornings me and Rory have walked in on Tom in the bathroom, just <laughs> greasing his facial skin with anchovies and goose anus. It's, it's, uh, it's a sight to behold. It sounds like it could work if you really think about it. <laughs> Rory, that was the best few weeks of your life, and you know it. That room. <laughs> I mean, whatever you're doing, it's working. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I think. <laughs> what a nice, <laughs> a nice question this has been. A nice revealing question. Thank, thank you, Sean, so much. I feel like things have got weird. <laughs> It's the weird part of the interview. Yeah, this is like re-listening to our favorite song, the 80,000th time at 2 a.m. In, in the garage where Tom's using me as a welding oh prop. Yeah, and Rory's just doing something with the electronics behind us. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like the type of people that do this hobby are just a bit weird. Like... Yes. <laughs> Agreed. All right, uh, I have a question here from Rebelcast co-host David Harrison <laughs> who wants to know, do you need any more paint picking up? At least 10 more cans, yes. That's the correct colour paint, please. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to go to at least six no. different halfers to get it. Off, off you go, David. They, they never stock it. They never stock more than one or two cans in halfers. Are you the specific is, shade of Ford Amparo blue that we use. Yes. <laughs> this is completely related. Are you aware of the TV show in England called Thomas the Tank Engine? <laughs> <laughs> Because the blue that they picked out for us, which was helping, was the same colour as Thomas the Tank Engine blue. So maybe maybe when we were pretty overtired, even Rory joined in, we were sort of singing Monsoon the Tank Engine to the tune of Thomas the Tank Engine. And then Rory would be like, a win for Monsoon is a win for the Isle of Sodor. You know, really, really <laughs> lost our minds about income. Weird. Yes. 
things got weird as they often did i think half the paint on the robot but half the paint we were probably huffing at that point <laughs> so yeah that's a solid that's a solid thing to admit to on an interview tom good good job buddy <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> Tom's famous blue moustache. <laughs> Robocast co-host Sam Elliott wants to know, monsoon blue or tauron red? Which do you prefer? Ooh. Monsoon blue has won more fights, so <laughs> probably that. Oh. <laughs> Flamingo pink. I'm with Tim on that one. I didn't hear what Tim said. Flamingo pink. Flamingo, Flamingo pink. Nice. Oh. All right. Uh... We got a few more questions. I know it's so late for you all, so we can treat this as like a speed round, just so maybe you guys get some sleep before tomorrow. Um, but this is from NHRL Rookie of the Year from 2022, Tom Farkas, who runs Positively Hysterical. Uh, wants to know, Mr. Blobby, creepy or amazing? Oh, creepy. He was on the team the year before me, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, Tim. Terrifying. Um, Mr. Blobby... Creepy. Terrifying. Yeah. We actually view him as foreplay in the UK, Mr. Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> I started work at 6am this morning. I started oh, work at 6am. No. I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> this is now just like a torture exercise for Tim, so we're just keeping him on uh, to see literally how long he can stay on until he uh, malfunctions. I've done the whole interview from bed, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something that most people don't know about Monsoon? Oh, it's a robot. <laughs> nice. You did it. You did nice. it. Nice. <laughs> what does I don't know. <laughs> um, well, well done, buddy. Uh, what's the pro? Oh no, you can answer that. I'm, I'm, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not sure. What don't people know? Well, I don't know. Do I we don't know either. Nobody. Knows. Oh, Does Monsoon has um a hundred percent more ring gears than it did last year. Uh, nine out of ten. <laughs> Monsoon. And Monsoon is actually two separate had. robots bolted together, technically. Monsoon is, is a concept that we sold to the stock exchange and it somehow fabricated into a real thing. I love this descent into madness. Um, it's my favorite interview. Um, what's uh, the proper way to make an English tea? Oh, jeez, They got to go. <laughs> this is a half an hour question. Oh, <laughs> you boil water in a kettle. You, you do not put it in a microwave. I've seen the videos on Facebook. Who microwaves their teas? Americans. It's insane. You, I, I, you're not drinking I've tea. Never, you're drinking like muddy water. Tea? Have you? No, but some do. Some Americans. Those, you could always add that caveat uh, to almost anything. The ice road trucker mouth breathers out there, probably. They're not drinking. They're tea. not drinking. <laughs> but yeah, you you boil, you boil your kettle and you let it brew. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking Mountain they Dew at 4 tall boys of Mike's Hard Lemonade and a whole <laughs> evening of Ice Road Truckers on the Discovery <laughs> Channel. That's their night. <laughs> you, use, you use milk, not creamer. Real milk. Real milk. Like, like from a cow. Yeah, yeah like in, not, not powdered milk, not creamer. So Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott has a follow-up question. Is it milk or water first? What do you put in? And then how many sugars? There's a lot, so many questions. Water first. 
It's got to be water first. You though. always put in water first because if you put in the milk first, then you might make it not. Uh, you make it too milky. Tim, you don't do milk first. I heard that. That can't be true. I do not do milk first. Oh, water oh, first. I would have. Otherwise, you are a philistine. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let's end the let's end this interview. I'm skipping a few questions. Sorry if you didn't hear your question. I feel like we've kept these people on. This is like a two hour interview, so we're gonna wrap it up. No, let's just grab this one part again. All right, Tim, I have a 21 part question here uh, from Chat GPT. Okay, good. I think Tim died. Oh, I my. The thing is, my my port charger is broken on my phone, so this is laying on my induction charger next to my bed, and I'm having to hang over the bed. Yeah, we're we're just getting mohawk action at this point, but that that's it's okay. I mean, it's it's looking pretty good for since working since yeah, six a.m. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris is getting ready to show off his. Uh, wow, that's just the power of grace oh. alone. Hey oil it's not just grease (laughs) um we have some very special questions to cap off this interview and is by none other than the one and only jane brewster (gasps) hi mom (laughs) hello um okay the most important question that she has what is your favorite flavor cookie and which new flavor of cookie would you like to take to the BattleBots World Championships? Oh, hard-hitting questions, Mom. <laughs> um, oh, I love the white chocolate and cherry ones. Those were so mm. good. Oh, double chocolate chip. Double chocolate chip. Ooh, that's good. That's good. So yeah, for the uninitiated, my mum brings cookies to like every event we go to in the UK, um, which everyone in the UK I think appreciates definitely. And, and she packed us off with four lunch boxes full for battle, box. battle box. Yeah, and so we were giving them out to like production and other teams and stuff. Yeah. And I think everyone probably had cookies, as well as tea. We were offering tea. tea. We took, we took, we went to Costco and we got a bag of four hundred and twenty Yorkshire tea tea bags. And we had them all. I'm pretty sure. Oh, the, yeah, I remember was, seeing that giant. There was some <laughs> left, but we gave them to um, one of the Lincoln Electric guys because they liked the tea. They weren't an air, it wasn't an airtight packet, and we knew it was going to take a while for the crate to come back, and we didn't want them to spoil. So, <laughs> and the, the, they were living their tea breaks. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but cookies, cookies. Um, how about salted caramel cookies? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, like go. toffees. Thanks, mum. <laughs> all right now i'm hungry <laughs> well thank you so much to all of you for joining us we can't wait to see monsoon back in the battle box again soon and fingers crossed that drizzle possibly makes an nhrl debut some point fingers oh, crossed I'd but one day thank you so much yeah maybe next year maybe this year but would it are you coming over with the invasion oh, in june would it be oh. would it be drizzle the thing is, right, not to not to drag on the interview for any longer, if I went to NHRL, I'd want to take, like, I'd want to take at least two copies of each robot. Come. <laughs> got Drizzle, but there's also Stratus and Straddle. I mean to be rude. There's so many I take. don't care. So many robots. I'm going to let Tim go off to bed now, because he's getting cranky, so uh, we'll let him go. 
Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to have you back on the show and, and see you all in a battle box again sometime in the future, if that is a thing. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're heading deep into the human body, where researchers are building robots capable of navigating a person's blood vessels. This sounds like magic school bus. Uh, Researchers in South Korea recently put this microscopic robot into a pig (laughs) and watched as the robot autonomously navigated to the pig's artery delivered a dose of contrast dye, and then navigated itself out of the pig all on its own. In the future, micro-robots could help surgeons prep their patients in a less invasive manner. Hey, I think that this is actually really cool. Um, it it reminds me of Magic School Bus. It reminds me of that episode of the Rugrats when uh, Chucky eats uh, the watermelon seeds and then they all like... Uh, Uh, pretend like the watermelon seeds are growing in him and they have to shrink themselves to get it out but you know we're not in cartoons anymore this is real life this is really fascinating (laughs) (laughs) oh god get it Uh, yeah because the pigs we we got it we got it we got it oh i was really fascinating i was I was focused on the cartoons. See, and I was just trying to figure out a donut joke, and Chris, I wasn't I, getting there. Chris just got there too fast. Chris, what can I say? I'm just a joke hog. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bacon. You I'm a just stop the puns. Okay, all right. Everyone stepped over my pun. Okay, it was great. All right. I can't say it again, or else it's just it's ruined. Okay, but just. Well, all right, Luke, we'll, the we'll record, give it, it you a space okay. now. Yeah, what, what sorry, was Luke, it? you're really baking my heart here. Oh, my God. Christopher freaking DeSico. That, okay. <laughs> what was it? What was it? What was it, Luke? Chris, I said I'm, I'm baking you to stop the puns. Oh, oh you did. Sorry. Yeah. All, right. all right. This is ruined. All right. Uh, well, that's it about no, it no, for no, us no, this your, week. Okay. Your, your fun was kind of a pig deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do you guys know what this reminds me of, though? Like, uh, Chris, I feel like this movie is right up your alley. Do you remember Inner Space? Oh, yeah. Um, Inner Space is an amazing movie. It's about a test pilot that gets uh, to fly a ship inside of a human body and he gets like trapped in there. Um, and there's equal parts hilarity and science fiction in it. Uh, this is like that, but without um, like Martin Short. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I would highly recommend Inner Space to, uh, to anyone that wants to study up on, 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 shrinking technology also honey i shrunk the kids uh fascinating look into the science of shrinking things <laughs> yes absolutely but, but in lieu of shrink technology in real life we have robots so that's good but don't don't go to ant-man for shrink technology because it's just wildly inaccurate <laughs> i think that the pen particles actually work the same way as the honey i shrunk the kids ray they just shrink the, the space between the atoms i'm pretty sure that's how that works 
Yeah, I don't know. I think in Ant-Man, they really just skip the small details. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, one of the things that bothers me about Ant-Man is they say that like it, it, everything maintains the same mass, and yet Hank Pym's like throwing cars around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he can shrink down the entire building into a briefcase. Yeah, okay. And then just roll it away. And then just roll maybe, it away. Maybe he's the most powerful person in the entire Marvel Universe, and they just never explain that to us. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. But yeah, I think these robots are cool. I uh, I don't think there's any nefarious purpose for a uh, bloodborne robot at all. There's nothing evil that can happen with that. So, you know, these things normally go dark and creepy. I don't think we have to do that at all for this episode. I mean, it certainly could, but I'm not going there. I like <laughs> well, I think that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode. It was a marathon. And we'll be back in your feed, uh, in your pig feed next week <laughs> with a very special guest. Well, a very special AMA episode. Ooh. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.